Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Billy shares a word on the importance of spiritual hunger and stepping into the calling the Lord has for us. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. I was told today uh, by two different men that I looked like I was from two different countries. One said they, they thought that my shirt looked like I was from Cuba, and the other said Italy. So I just thought it would be interesting to take a show of hands. How many think Cuba? How many think, ooh, 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 wait, keep the Cuba. Cuba might be moving right now. How many think Italy? I think Cuba's got it. All right. Havana, thank you. Okay, here we go. So the last two weeks, we've been talking about Israel. Actually, three of the last four weeks, we've been talking about Israel, talking about uh, God's purposes for Israel, talking about our uh, calling to pray for Israel, which obviously we've been doing for 21 days, talking about uh, the forerunner messaging to preach to Israel, which we talked about last week, um, and tonight I want to I want to kind of cap up that it's sort of a series we've been in with a message called "Burning and Shining Lamps." Everybody say burning, say shining, burning, shining. How many How many would prefer to be burning than shining? Let's just say burning. How many burnings? How many shinings? Okay, I think shining might have it. Okay. So as I told my son, I said, I'm going to preach on burning and shining lamps. And he goes, that sounds cool. What is it? Well, I'm going to show you from the scripture. All right, look over at Isaiah 62. Let's go over there again. We've been looking at this passage a bit the last several weeks. Isaiah 62, it's been the one that we've kind of anchored from for this whole fast. Where God describes how he has a plan to set watchmen on the wall night and day, who will not hold their peace. They won't stay silent and they won't rest until God makes Jerusalem the praise of the earth. He's going to do that by releasing salvation to Israel in mass. They're going to come to know Jesus, their Messiah, and Jesus is going to return and they're going to set up a night and day prayer meeting with Jesus at the center It's called the Rebuilt Tabernacle of David. If you want to read more about that, you can do it in Amos chapter 9, verse 10 and 11, Isaiah 16, verse 5. And so, and by the way, I think y'all should take notes, just saying. I'm putting them in the, I'll put them in the chat afterwards, but sometimes it's good to take your own notes. When I was 20 and I listened to uh, preaching, I had to stare at the floor because I was so like, some people think that's ADD. I don't think I was. Can't prove it. Anyway, but I had to stare at the floor just so I could listen to the preacher. Because everything got my attention. Everything got my attention. I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. How many lights are up there? How many tiles are down here? I mean, it's just everywhere. And so I'd stare at the floor, and everybody thought I wasn't listening, but I was paying attention. But then I found the trick was i just take notes. If I took notes on what the dude was saying, then I could, I could hang with him. You know what I'm saying? 
So I would encourage you, and for study purposes, because I'm not up here just trying to have a pep rally. I'm up here trying to put the word of God in you. Amen. So uh, Jesus will return. Jerusalem will be the praise of the earth. God's method that he's going to do that is setting watchmen on the wall, and he's going to be uh, releasing, like we talked about last week, power on preaching and messengers who are going to cry out and they are going to call people and specifically Israel into the fullness of their salvation. That's coming. That's coming on the earth. Well, Isaiah 62 uses an interesting phrase and it's verse one, what God says about Israel. He says, for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Now, what's interesting about that phrase, it's giving us a pictorial of what Israel in full salvation, fully in their calling, what they're going to look like. And what they're going to look like is a burning and shining lamp. And that, what that is, is their, their whole expression of their spirituality is going to be so evident, they're going to be burning with salvation, and they're going to be shining with righteousness. Okay, they're, they're going to come to a place where literally there's about a half dozen scriptures that say the nations of the earth will look at Israel and they will say, that's what it's like when God is the God of, the, of a nation. They're going to be the sign of what it looks like when God actually has a whole nation that's serving him and they will all be saved. The whole nation is going to serve Jesus. They're all going to go, come fully into their calling and, and love their Messiah. Now, with that idea, that burning and shining that expresses who they are and what they're going to be like spiritually, I want you to look at a passage, John chapter 5. John chapter 5 is talking, in this passage, it talks about John the Baptist. JTB, John the Baptist. Sometimes when I'm taking notes, I just go, JDB. <laughs> Sounds like a wrestler. John the Baptist. So look at what Jesus said about John the Baptist. John chapter 5, verse 35. Now remember last week we talked about what John said of himself. He said, I am the voice, right? I'm the voice of one crying. He was quoting Isaiah 40. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So he quoted Isaiah 40, he says, that's who I am. Look what Jesus says about John the Baptist. John chapter 5, verse 35. He was the burning and shining lamp. And you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. That is so interesting. Because what Jesus is saying about John the Baptist is, he's literally, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 62. He's quoting that phrase. That's where that phrase shows up in the Bible. Jesus is quoting it and applying it to John the Baptist. 
And so just like John was able to say, I'm the burning and shining, John was able to say, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Jesus said of John, he's the burning and shining lamp. What does that mean? It means a variety of things, but the first thing it means is this. When all Israel comes into their fullness of salvation, they're going to look like John the Baptist. The entire nation is going to be a nation of John the Baptists. I'm talking about wild, fiery, prophetic, given to God, completely poured out for all the purposes of Yahweh. The whole nation will look like John the Baptist, unyielding, not wavering. You can't bribe him. You, you know, John the Baptist, he wouldn't take one step back, would he? When threatened with death, he said, that's fine, go ahead. Calls out the king, calls out his adultery. I mean, bold. Calls out all the different spheres of society. John the Baptist literally calls out the, the centurions, calls out the Pharisees, calls out the tax collectors, calls out everybody, all the religious people, all the people that thought they were fine. Called them all brood of vipers. I don't think he had a bad attitude. He literally said because he heard the voice of the bridegroom, he had full joy. I think he did it with a big smile on his face. You guys are a brood of vipers. A bunch of snakes. Yep. They're like, what is that dude saying? He's like, I'm telling you, you're unjust, and your laws are unjust, and you're acting unjustly. You don't have to have a bad attitude to drop bombs. You can do it with a great attitude and a happy heart. In fact, most of the time the prophets were dropping bombs, they were doing it with tears. When you get that picture of the prophet guy who's railing on people with a bad attitude, and you guys are this and that, and the hand of the Lord is going to come and judge you, that's mostly not how the prophets were in the Old Testament. They were mostly weeping and brokenhearted. And the more severe their message, the more shattered their hearts would be, the more tender they were. Why? Because before they could release a word with power on the outside, it had to do a work on the inside. So the thing they'd already carried on the inside, when they dropped it, it had already worked in them. They were already under the weight of it. They'd release it, and it would release power. They weren't doing it with a bad attitude and railing on people. So John the Baptist is the first fruits of what Israel will look like in their fullness, in the fullness of their salvation and the fullness of their calling. He's what they'll look like. When you're praying for Israel, you're praying for them to become John the Baptists. That gives you a good target. Does that make sense? And so here's the thing. I want you to think about this. I mean, for Jesus, I mean, Jesus said of John the Baptist some big, big deal things. He said, number one, there's never been a greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. What? I mean, what? For Jesus to say that about you, I mean, that is a significant big deal. And for Jesus to say he is burning and he is shining. You guys enjoyed his light for a while. What was Jesus saying about him? He was saying this, that John the Baptist had onboarded a relationship with God that was so significant that it kindled his heart till he was on fire. He was aflame on the inside. He was burning in desire. He was burning in love. 
He was burning in longing, burning in hunger, burning for the purposes of God in his generation. He's burning for Jesus. What are you burning for? What are you burning for? You got your whole life ahead of you. You got all the possibilities. What has got your heart burning? It's an important question. Because right now is when the trajectory of your life will get set. In these years right now, 18 to 25, it's when your trajectory gets set. Most people don't do a reset past 25. They sort of get on a certain path. They might change careers, but their trajectory is about the same. And what you're burning for is what you'll become. And I I just need to ask you, what are you burning for? John knew exactly what he was burning for. He must increase. I must decrease. I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what I'm saying. I know exactly where I came from, and I know exactly where I'm going. John's, half of the power of John's ministry was he was really clear on his identity. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from and where he was going, and he knew what he was about. What are you about? What are you burning for? That's a question we've got to grapple with right now. These are the years you've got to grapple with that question. These are the years that you can't let someone else answer that question for you. Hear me. You cannot let someone else tell you what you're supposed to burn for right now. You've got to get it between you and God, and you've got to burn for that. Don't go, don't go half-hearted for anything. I'm so against this whole like mentality that fills society and it's like just blend in just look like everybody else i'm so against that no whatever you are whatever god's spiritual identity is for you burn for that burn for that don't go halfway don't go nine tenths go 10 out of 10 burn for what you're called to be John the Baptist is really clear. He says, I'm a voice. Jesus said, he's burning. Are you burning? Or are you lukewarm? Are you mild? What level Taco Bell sauce are you? Is it cool? I'm just trying to be cool. I'm just trying to be cool. I'm just trying to fit in. Just cool. Great, you're mild. Burning, burning isn't palatable. Burning isn't the one that just, everybody goes, you know, I really love that. No, burning burns up stuff. When you're burning, a lot of the options just get burned down. A lot of the, a lot of the inputs get burned up because you know, on the inside, you know. Burning is when a heart is set fully on fire. It's a flame. Desire, longing, hunger, 
passion. When you're burning, listen, when you're burning for God, do not apologize. Don't apologize for it. I'm not saying you gotta go be arrogant and ugly and have a nasty attitude, but you can be bold and kind and meek at the same time. You can be burning and unapologetic and unwavering. And if my burning heart makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna tend the fire on the inside. And that's where we're supposed to live, guys. My heart for a passion for Jesus, it should probably make people uncomfortable. And I had to deal with that a lot in my family, especially when I first got saved and I was the only one that was born again and I'm coming in and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to read my Bible, and my mom's, my dad's like, what are you doing? And my brother's like, what happened to you? You know, and I'm like, I, I got saved. Like, what, what's saved? Saved from what? I'm born again. Oh, you're a born again Christian. I remember one time my, my grandparents, they wanted me to pray at their, they had like, my grandparents were like married for like 100 years. They, they had like a 60th anniversary and like a 70th anniversary. But they wanted me to pay, pray at like their 55th anniversary or something. And one of my aunts came to me and she said, we're concerned that you're one of these born again Christians. And I was like 19. I go, and they go, they go, they just want to make sure you're not. I go, I absolutely am. I am 100% that. I am for sure 100% born again Christian. And I'm about to pray for real to the real God. That's what I'm doing. And you know what? I prayed, I did my thing. If you're burning, just burn. That's what, that's what Jesus said. He goes, look, you got a lamp on the inside of you. Don't put, hide it. Don't hide that lamp. Don't put it under a bushel. Put it up on a lamppost. You're a city set on a hill. That's who you are. John the Baptist was that way. And he was burning so much that the crowds would gather to him because he was so given to the grace of God. He had gotten himself into this place of his identity was clear, his calling was clear. He was living it out in fasting and prayer. He was unyielding, unwavering. He wouldn't step back. He wouldn't back down. And he was burning. And guess what? When people see you burn, some will be repelled, but some will be drawn. That's what Wesley said. He goes, give me a a hundred men who hate nothing but but sin and love nothing but God, and they will go and, and, and they will burn. He goes, I just set myself on fire and people come watch me burn. What are you burning for, man? When you're burning, don't apologize. Don't hide it. And here's the thing, the outcome of burning is shining. Because when you're burning, eventually that light is going to affect and affect others. The shining is the outward. The burning is the inward. My, my heart is aflame with divine love. Jesus, you're my greatest good. 
You're my greatest pleasure, my greatest passion. You're my desire and my longing, Jesus. I'm burning for you. That thing kindled on my heart. God of burning, cleansing flame, send a fire on my heart. That burning on the inside, it causes me to shine. If you're burning, don't apologize. Feed the flame, and then the more that you burn, the more you'll shine. Something that's burning has to shine. And so that shining is when your, your heart that's on fire, it starts becoming evident and influential and infective and defensive. Evident, influential, infective, and offensive to everyone around you. This is the outcome of a forerunner. This is the outcome of John the Baptist. This is what it looks like when you're living this way for Jesus. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to be burning and shining. You just have to be given. It doesn't matter where you live, whether you, you are called vocationally to the ministry place or to the marketplace. You're called to be a minister no matter where you are. In the ministry place or the marketplace, you're called to a ministry. The ministry is first to the heart of God. Every one of us, we're firstly called in a vertical ministry. We minister to him first, his priests. Priests, they minister to God on behalf of men, and then they minister to men on behalf of God. We're all called as a kingdom of priests. So you shine. And this is the way it works. You cultivate the burning by feeding that flame with intimacy with Jesus, fasting, prayer, getting in the word, and fellowshipping. That's how our hearts burn. Longing. When you feel that longing and you're aching for Jesus, don't go binge Netflix. Seriously. When you're longing and aching, ache. That will cause the flame to go higher. We've got to get out of this like whole like self-comforting, like self-pleasuring kind of mentality that when as soon as something is taken away from us, we just go try to fill that void with something else. There's a place where you let the ache go in. You let, the, you let it hurt a little bit. The pain and of desire begins to grow in you, and you let that thing you let that thing bubble up, and on the inside, all of a sudden, that little ache, that little pang, I want God, it turns into this gaping wound of desire and longing, and now you're not cramming it full of everything that you can find. Give me a Netflix, give me some food, give me something. I gotta shop. I gotta do something. You just let that thing go deep on the inside, so you're just you've got to groan now. There's just a, I'm not okay. I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And you let that thing erupt so you can be a burning and shining lamp. You go into fasting. You go into prayer. You push away from the table. You push into God. You, you know, you, you go, okay, I'm going to do a 21-day fast. Three days in, you're hounding a pizza. Great. Press delete. 
Day five, start over. Just do it. Just go for it. Fail a thousand times. It's okay. Just get up and do it again. And one time, you'll press past what you thought you could do, and it like flips. It like switches in your head. I remember the first time I ever did a long fast. I did a five-day fast. I was in college on day three. I thought I was going to die. Like, I'm definitely dead for sure. Tomorrow, I will die tonight in my bed. It's going to, I was so hungry. I would have eaten wood. I would have eaten anything. Leaves looked awesome. I was like, just that plant kind of looks great. I just eat that flower right off the top of it. I've heard those are good. I mean, I would eat anything. Dog food. Have you ever tried a dog food? I have. Have you ever tried one? Fasting, you're like, I don't think it's actually breaking the fast. Kibble. For real. I'm not even joking. You press through. I remember I got to that fifth day. I felt like I had run a marathon. I felt like I had, I had won some kind of like track meet. But the next time I did a long fast, it was a 21 day. And I did a bunch of them. I lost track how many I did. And then the next time I did one, I did a 40. And I started doing 40 day fasts when I was in my 20, 20s. I've lost track of how many of those I've done. I'm not saying that to tell you, oh, I'm great, look how much I fasted. I'm saying there's a deep hunger and an ache on the inside of me that I can't steward any other way except for throwing myself, hurling myself at God and stewarding that hunger and that ache with fasting and prayer is the way to do it. Fast once a week. Guys, all of you should be fasting once a week. If you're medically able, you should fast once a week, for real. There's things that you engage in the spirit with God that you cannot engage any other way. You need to feed the flame. Am I making sense? And here's what you find out. That when you give yourself to that place of voluntary weakness, when you give yourself to that kind of abandonment in God, that the ache grows, but the grace grows. The hunger grows, but the presence grows. And all of a sudden, you've made yourself a landing strip for the Holy Spirit. I can remember coming through 40-day fast, being complete. I've got pictures, and I just, I look like I've been, you know, I just haven't eaten in 40 days. I was just like really small. And, uh, and I can remember just barely being able to function and then I can remember people coming and sitting next to me and going like, whoa, what is going on with you? And I'm like, oh, I'm about to die is what I feel like. I'm like, no, I'm vibrating because what's coming off of you? It's, it's the grace of God. We don't do it to earn it. It's in the grace of God. I know it's silly. I'm hammering a fasting Message on the last, you know, two days left in a 21-day fast. But it's not, it's not foolishness. I'll do another one. Let's do another one. What, what are you serving, Jesus? You're serving fasting? That's what I'm eating. Whatever it is you're serving, that's what I want. I remember being a young man and being able to quote more movie lines than I could Bible verses and being ashamed of myself. 
because I'd spent my life, I remember growing up, we, we, we was, my, my generation was the first one where they got, gave us cable. And they would, you know, back then they didn't have all the movies, so they just put the same movies on repeat. And I would memorize entire movies. I could quote entire movies. I could quote more movie lines than Bible verses. I got saved, but my mind didn't get renewed instantly. And I had to just feed my mind, my heart, the word, so I could actually quote the scripture. There was, a, there was a longing on the inside, but here's what happens to you. Your heart, ultimately, it gets tender, and it gets broken. And that longing, that aching grows, but you become this landing strip for the Holy Spirit, and it's in that place of weakness that he pours out his power on you. And then what happens is this. Your appetites begin to shift, and then God begins to come, and he starts drawing you in with pleasure. He draws you in with pleasure. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures evermore. That is not some figurative pleasure. That's your soul feeling God. When your soul experiences what it was made for, your soul experiences God, I'm telling you, there is no greater pleasure. All the other pleasures of the world, they're all inferior to the superior pleasure of experiencing God. That's what it's about, y'all. You're made for encounter, to encounter God. He didn't make his presence boring. He made his presence exhilarating and life-giving. He, he made his, his presence enthralling. It's his beauty on display, and it's tactile. You feel the glory and the beauty of who he is when you come into his presence, and all of a sudden you get an appetite now for the presence of God that's so much greater than your appetite for anything else. And you can literally get to this place where your favorite things are less important than him. Now you're burning. Now you're burning. I'm not saying that the only place you can encounter God is in prayer. No, no, we experience God in prayer. We experience God in nature. We experience God in art and in music. We experience God in everything. And you get to this whole place where, man, I'm in my backyard catching a little dink fish last night, and I'm like, I love you, Jesus. Because I love fishing. I'm like, it's a baby, but I love you, Lord. This is so fun. And all of a sudden, he's your, he's your magnificent obsession. So there's, I'll give you my top seven list of burning and shining lamps in the New Testament. Here's my top seven. They're probably not who you think. Because I've only got one of the 12 apostles on the list. Yeah. Only one. Those guys are all a little late to the game. They started burning and shining later. But my top seven are the ones of the early adopters. All right, first one, Simeon. Y'all know who Simeon was? Simeon was a prophet. Find his story in Luke chapter 2. Simeon literally was told by the Lord as a young man that he was waiting for Messiah and that God wouldn't let him die until he saw Messiah. And Simeon literally gets to see Jesus as a baby, and he, and he gives this thing, and he explains this whole prophetic word and speaks to Mary, says there's going to be an arrow that's going to pierce your soul. Because he already knows that Messiah is going to be crucified. He goes, but now I can depart and be with God. 
Simeon, he was burning. Anna, I'm going to talk about her at the end. 60 years in fasting and prayer. Anna, her story comes right after Simeon's. John the Baptist, the OG burning and shining lamp. Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany had a better prayer life than all of the apostles. How do I know? Because they were all offended by when she poured her oil over Jesus' feet. Her prayer life was deeper and richer. Her devotion life was deeper and richer with Jesus than any of the disciples. Mary of Bethany. Fifth, John the Apostle. He would be the first early adopter of the apostles. He's my, he'd be my one. Before Jesus dies, he's like leaning his head on Jesus' breast. He's like close to Jesus. John the Apostle, he's known throughout church history as the patron saint of friendship because he was a friend of Jesus. Some, there's, a, there's a day coming, I, I just want to give this. There's a day coming when I'm going to release a message on friendship with God. And that day, I think, is going to be a turning point for us and gatekeepers. And it's a message I've been holding for about almost two years now. But I feel like it's for you. In fact, I'm going to give it to you before I give it to the church. I think it's that important for you. When I come with that message on friendship, it'll be the deepest treasures of my heart. John the Apostle was the patron saint of friendship. Then Cornelius, he was a Gentile. He'd been, he'd been giving alms to the poor and praying as a Gentile to the God of the Hebrews. And he's so hungry that when he sends people to go get Peter, and Peter comes and they, they go to Caesarea where he was from, it's Pentecost all over again just for the Gentiles this time. And then finally, who would you think the last one would be? New Testament. Paul. Man of one thing. I've counted everything as rubbish. These are my top seven burning and shinings. I think there are a bunch of burning and shinings, but those are my top seven. All right. So Luke 18, there's a parable there of this unjust judge and this widow. Just read it later. But the point of that parable is Jesus says, I'm telling this parable so that men would not lose heart. And another translation says, men wouldn't faint. Faint in prayer. And here's what I've found. Having led night and day prayer now for 17 years, that there is a fainting spirit on many in the church when it comes to prayer. And they faint and give up because they don't immediately see the answer to their prayers. So instead of learning how to persevere through trial and challenge, they give up when things get hard. And they use this phrase, they say, the grace has lifted. If you say the grace is lifted, I will kindly tell you, don't say that phrase because you're just saying that you are arrogant. 
Because God gives grace to the humble, but God is opposed to the proud. So if you're saying the grace is lifted, you're saying, I'm so full of pride, I'm repelling God currently. All those good charismatics and their good charismatic way of saying things completely unbiblical. The grace doesn't lift. The grace is in Jesus. The grace is in obedience. The grace is in him. Grace doesn't lift. You're living in grace right now. You're breathing because of grace right this second. You're saved by grace, by faith in grace. You are, grace is what's sustaining you right now, by grace through faith. You are, you, I mean, you're being sustained every single day by grace. If grace is lifted, you are really in trouble. You'll quit, actually, you'll quit being. The grace lifted, you're gone. Say something different. <laughs> when things get hard, it doesn't mean grace is lifted. Grace is for when it's hard. <laughs> Am I on your toes? Are we okay? Sir, it's like just because it's hard doesn't mean the grace is gone. No, grace is the fact that you showed up and it was hard. That's grace. And sometimes grace is like manifest and all of a sudden you feel a, a certain ease on you. Grace is always there to enable you and empower you. <clears throat> so there's this feigning spirit that he says in Luke 18. He goes, I'm, I'm sharing this so that men would learn to pray always and not faint. And I've watched people for so many years operate in a fainting spirit. They begin to pray, and it gets challenging, and it gets long, and they give up, and they pull their faith off of their prayers right before the prayers are answered sometimes. How many of you know that right when the battle is getting the hardest is when it's closest to breakthrough? If you're quitting when it gets hard, you're giving up at the moment of your breakthrough. That's when you humble yourself and you lean in and you go, God, I can't live unless you help. I need you. And I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've been in that moment where I'm like, God, if you don't do something right now, I'm done. And he just goes, you're not done. I go, yes, I am. He goes, you are not. I go, I am. <laughs> I'm done. He goes, not done. Okay, I'm not done. I keep moving. How many of you ever worked out with a trainer? Worked out with a trainer? And you're like, oh, you know, he's like, okay, we're going to get eight. Yeah, you get, so you get to eight. And he goes, all right, two more. You're like, I just did eight. He goes, no, you got two more in you. You're like, uh, nine. Ten. He goes, okay, two more. You're like, I just did two more. He goes, come on. You can do it. Sometimes the Lord is in your face like that trainer, and he's actually, and then you do the two more, two more, two more, and you go, I just did 14. I was trying to do eight. Hey, what'd you do? You made me do 14. He goes, you did 14, bro. You're complaining because you're twice as strong as you thought you were? And that's how God is with us sometimes. He brings us to our end. We're ready to throw in the towel, and he goes, two more. And you go, I can't. He goes, sure you can. And there's grace. 
Well, this fainting spirit, it's on the church in a big way, but you know what I've watched over the last 20 years in prayer is I've watched it continually get off of the church. I've watched this fainting spirit get lifted off the church. But there's an entirely new generation. I'm looking at you guys. There's a new generation that's entering into a grace in prayer right now that's different than I've seen in 20 years. The hunger that's evident on you guys is so clearly a manifestation of God's grace. You don't, you don't experience this kind of a hunger just because I'm awesome. You're awesome. You know, that's not about you being awesome. It's because God's grace is on you right now to hunger, to thirst, to seek, to, to, to pursue, to cry out, to lean in, to press in. That's the manifest grace of God in your lives. And I'm watching him lift this fainting spirit off the church. Now, I want to talk about Anna. So let's look at this, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. Luke chapter 2. Go ahead and put your eyes on it. When you invite friends, tell them that our meetings go three hours, and it's not our fault. Luke chapter 2, we'll really tell them it goes like five hours because you come early, hang out late. I'm just going to wrap it here. Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, this is the instant that Simeon was prophesying over Jesus. Coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him, that's Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. When I look at Anna, she is one of the clearest burning and shining lamps in the New Testament. It's this wo little woman who's 84 years old and has been serving the Lord in fasting and prayer for about 60 years. If you do the math and you figure this, those young women would get married in their teens, 15, 16, 17. So she gets, let's say she gets married, she's about 17. She stays married for about seven years. Seven years from her virginity. Tragedy strikes her life. This is Anna's story. Tragedy strikes her life. She loses her husband. Can you imagine 24-year-old Anna? She's lost her husband. And what is she going to do with her whole life? You know, back then it was a challenge because women, they, weren't in, they didn't have a place in society in the same way that women do now. There weren't jobs and places. They had to, you know, connect back with their family or some, someone else had to marry them or something like that. And Anna, in that moment of tragedy, I mean, complete tragedy, she goes ahead and says, I'm going to give myself to fasting and prayer. It says she served the Lord in fasting and prayer. That word served can also be translated ministered to. She ministered to the Lord in fasting and prayer. Now get, get the picture. She's 24. So she goes, I'm going to go for it real hard right now. I'm going to seek God in this place of ashes. She leans in really hard. 
And she goes, 12 months fasting and prayer. That would be epic. 12 months coming off of losing your husband. I mean, what? What? And she goes, I'm going to keep going. So she goes, one year in the bank, two years. 24 months, 26, she's given herself to this thing. Two turns into four, four turns into eight, 16, 32, she's only halfway into her ministry, 32 years in this, and she's burning. She's a prophetess, so by now she's having visions. By now, she's having encounters. She's having all the realm of the spirit. She's having angelic activity. She's seeing things in her sleep. She's seeing things in her eyes are awake. She's encountering God in a dynamic way. 30 years in, fasting and praying. 40 years, 50 years, 60 years in, 84-year-old Anna. Can you imagine if 84-year-old prophetic Anna came up to you and put her finger in your chest? And said, I have a word for you. That would be the scariest moment of your entire life. 60 years of fasting and praying, Anna. Anna was a prophetess. She was an intercessor. And she was an evangelist. The Bible says she spoke of him. She sees Jesus. She knows it's him. And when she sees Jesus, she spoke of him to everyone who would listen to her in Jerusalem. Some scholars believe she literally went throughout Israel, 84-year-old missionary Anna. Now, here's what I want to tell you. In the generation that the Lord came the first time, he raised up these forerunners. He raised up these burning and shining ones. He raised up Simeon, John the Baptist, Anna. He raised them up on the front end of the Lord's coming but what I told you last week is he's raising up many messengers, and they're going to be in the same anointing that was on Anna, but it's not going to be just individuals. It's coming on an entire generation. And what I'm watching with my eyes right now in worship and prayer that's happening not just here. It is happening here. It's kindling here, but it's happening all over the place. The thousands that are reaching out to Corey and I in our, our podcast that are getting lit up that are your age, that are getting lit up for fasting and prayer, and they're in these little out-of-the-way places, these little off-the-road, beaten-path, wilderness places, and they're burning for the Lord. I'm watching the fainting spirit getting lifted off the church right now. And I'm watching the same anointing that was on Anna be released on many, many, many in you guys' generation right now. I've been saying this for 20 years. That God's going to release the same anointing that was on Anna on an entire generation. And I'm watching it happen with energy and focus right now. And here's the thing. It's an intercessory anointing with fasting. There's, a, there's an anointing on a Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany is pouring out intimacy and devotion. Just worship and adoration. Anna is an intercessor. She's crying out with fire and breakthrough. Anna's a prophetess. She's having all the measures and the activities of the Spirit. She's seeing angels and having encounters. I guarantee you, on that day when she saw the face of Jesus, I guarantee you she knew it was coming. 
And when she does, she goes and declares and drops bombs on every single person that will listen. She's an evangelist, she's a prophetess, and she's an intercessor. And I'm telling you, that is the threefold anointing that's coming on an entire generation. And it's not just for 84-year-olds, it's not just for women, it's for young men, women, it's for everybody that says, yes, I want to burn and I want to shine. This is what the Lord wants to release on so many right now. And here's the deal, you've got to be willing to burn. If you just want to blend in, and you just want to live average, non-breakthrough Christianity, this isn't for you. But if on the inside you go, no, I want God. I want to burn and I want to shine. I want as much as God will give me on this side doesn't mean you can't have any other things you do in life. It just means he's your premier pursuit. doesn't mean you have to be called full-time into the ministry. It just means that you know you're a minister, whether you're in the ministry place or the marketplace. It just means this, that you are going to burn, and you're going to step into that anointing, and you are going to get clarity at this time in your ministry identity. See, we all are operating in an identity of being sons and daughters, the bride, priests. We're operating in those identities. What's your ministry identity? What's the road he's called you on? What's the path he's called you into? I'm telling you, when it got clear to me that I was called into the ministry and he was calling me specifically for revival. I was a young man. I was in my young 20s. And when that got really clear to me, man, I, the delete button got real easy. I could just say no to all sorts of stuff. I could just press delete, 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 delete because that's not who I am. And then he made it really clear. He goes, and it's night and day prayer until breakthrough comes. Oh, okay. Now I can really delete. Once you get clear on your identity, you get so focused, and you get filled with might and courage. When that clarity comes, you can step into becoming what God's dreaming of you to be. And here's how he usually does it. He'll give you a little taste, and then he'll mature it over time. And there's things I saw in my 30s that I've yet to see again. There's power encounters I had in my 30s that I've yet to see again, but I'm so hungry. And I know it's for another generation. I believe it's for now. I believe it's for us. And I would do you a disservice if I preached you a little happy message. Called you into non-breakthrough Christianity. Three points about how you can live a better life. I don't want you to live a better life. I want you to live the cross. I'm not trying to make you worldly successful. I want you to be a burning and shining lamp. It's 
Some of you, even as I've been sharing, you're getting butterflies. Because you know I'm talking right to you. Some of you, your your heart is burning. You're going, oh my God, this is me. Some of you, you're like, oh, you know, you got the butterflies. You're like, oh my gosh, what, what does this mean? I don't have all the details, but I know what a given life looks like. And I want to invite you to it. I've been all over the world, 30 countries. I never would have dreamt that was coming for me. I've been in front of stadiums. Never would have dreamt that was coming for me. And I'll just tell you this. None of that matters. I would rather sit in that prayer room with the pleasure of God on my heart, burying myself in the intimacy with Jesus, my heart on fire. I'd rather be with you guys here tonight. I've said no to all the travelings because I believe he wants to raise up so many burning and shining ones right here. And I think there's a little bit of math you have to do, and you have to ask the Lord about it. Why are you here right now? What are you doing here? What are you burning for? It's what I asked you to begin with. Guys, this is for you. That thing that he put on Anna... He wants to put it on all of us. Fasting and prayer. Prophetic encounters. Power evangelism. That's what he's releasing on an entire generation. This is not about legalistically trying to like force yourself to do something. It's about coming into the grace of God in agreement with what God wants to do in the earth. I think we're just scratching the surface. But I think there's so much more for us. Amen. Yeah, let's stand. Close your eyes. Ah, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Right now. Look, there's there's things right now that you know that are in the way of burning the way that God wants you to burn. And shining the way he wants you to shine. But there's a desire on the inside of you and it's, it's real. You're like, Billy, what does this look like? I'm saying it looks like fasting and prayer and getting in the word. It looks like getting into community and getting into discipleship. It looks like going hard together. It's like saying yes to the right things and saying no to the wrong things. It's not rocket science. It looks like allowing the ache on the inside of your heart to turn into a gaping wound of hunger and desire. A burning and shining lamp. If you say, I want to live that way. I I want to say yes to everything God has for me. I want to say no to the worthless things that are trying to grab my attention. I want clarity to come on my soul, who I'm called to be. It's 
night's for you. This night is for you. Just like what was on Anna. There's no way you can grit this out without grace. This is about the grace of God. You say, I'm hungry. I want it. I want it. I want to live this way in my generation. Some of you, you're creative. You're David. You're the poet. You're the dancer. You're the artist. You want to burn. You can do that. Come on, just put a draw on him right now. Put a draw on him right now. I want to burn for you. I want to burn with passion. Lord, I want to burn for you. I want to be a burning and shining lamp. For real. I want to make changes. Some of us, it's about getting rid of worthless things. Caleb Andrews says, putting fences around the precious things. Protecting the precious. Lord, right now, right now, like a wind, blow across us. Right now, like a wind, blow across our souls. Come, Holy Spirit. I just want to invite you to respond. You say, that's me. That's who I am. It's what I want to be. I want to be a burning and shining lamp. I want to be a burning and shining one. I want to burn for him. I want to shine for him. I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Lord to touch you. Just come forward. Just respond. Let that, let that desire on the inside, let, it, let the ache, let it come. Get a vision. Get a vision for a life fully given. What does it look like to be fully given? What are the things that you've got to cut out right now? What's in the way? What's in the way? What are the changes you got to make with your schedule, with your time, with your focus? What's in the way? Oh. Just tell them, Lord, I want to burn. I want to shine. I don't want to be normal. I want to be radical. I want to be radical. Just take a knee. I want to be radical for you, Lord. Come on, just pour out your heart. Just 
let the ache, let the groan come. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATI. We'll see you in the next episode.